As I have said to you on other occasions, sometime early on in this ministry of mine with the Lord, I was led in my preaching and teaching to simply start at the beginning of a book of the Bible and then to deliberately and carefully preach and teach word by word and verse by verse all the way through a particular book. And we've done that with the book of James. And now I would like for us to consider the book of Luke. The book of Luke. The third of the gospel accounts of Jesus. And there's no mystery as to why I choose one book of the Bible over another to study. I simply pray and I ask the Lord which book I should choose next and then right away I'm led to the right one. And this time it is this gospel of Luke. Also, at this time, as I listened to the Lord's leading, I also sensed the reason why God wanted us to study this book of Luke. It's so that we might know more about the person of Jesus Christ. That we might know more about the person of Jesus Christ. And yes, all of the books of the Bible reveal Jesus to us. Even the Old Testament. But these Gospels especially reveal some of the most intimate details of his personal life and his ministry. And that's why it's so important for us to study in depth and carefully. Now, why is it so important to us and especially to me personally? It involves a question that I once asked my favorite Christian mentor, Dr. Paul Culley. I asked him to tell me the secret of his personal relationship with Christ. And without hesitation, he answered that it was his personal, intimate love for the person of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. The secret to his relationship with the Lord was his personal, intimate love for the person of the Lord Jesus. Folks, most of the folks that attend churches these days seem to focus their attention on doing Christianly things, things that are really good. And they do help other people. And they do all of those good things. And those are right things to do. But let me assure you, that is not Christianity. Doing Christianly things is not Christianity. That sounds odd. I know that. But the mere doing of Christian things does not make us a Christian. It is this intimate, personal relationship of love with the person of Jesus Christ. That's what makes us a Christian. And I'd like for us to spend a lot of time understanding that over these next many weeks ahead of us. Those were some of the most important words that I ever heard for my own Christian life. That it was the personal, intimate love for the Lord Jesus that Dr. Cully had within his soul from the moment I heard it, I wanted to experience that same kind of love for the Lord Jesus that I perceived was in his heart. And I also want that for each of you. I want that for each of you. And also for me, as I consider that I am now in the latter years of my earthly life, more than ever now, I'm aware that there is a very soon coming face-to-face eternal adventure that I'm going to have with the Lord Jesus. And it lies just ahead of me. And that makes me all the more want to know him better right now in these living years. And so today we'll begin on a fresh journey 
of getting to know and love the person of the Lord Jesus more and more. And we'll use these words given to us by this chosen man of God, Luke. And I want you to listen as Luke gives us a special introduction to this study that he has endeavored to do. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. He tells us there, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. What do we know about this man, Luke, this specially chosen man of God? The first matter of note is that next to the Apostle Paul, Luke is the most prolific writer in the New Testament, having written the words of this gospel and then also the book of Acts. And we know from the words recorded in the book of Acts that Luke was with the Apostle Paul through most all of Paul's missionary travels. He was with Paul in all of those journeys, and he was recording Paul's preaching. He also probably tended to some of Paul's physical needs because the book of Colossians refers to Luke as being a physician. Luke is also believed to have been a Gentile. But other than those few things, we know very little about Luke personally. His recorded words that we read in these two books of the Bible, they span over 60 years, 60 years, starting with the birth of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, and then ending with the final words there in the book of Acts where the gospel is being preached in Rome. No other writer wrote such a comprehensive study of Jesus and of Jesus' impact on mankind. And no other writer goes all the way from John the Baptist all the way through to the capital of the Roman Empire where the words of the gospel were being preached. Luke is the most comprehensive and complete storyteller of the miracle of the gospel in the whole New Testament. But again, with all that being said, we know very little about Luke. Also of note, as we study these words, we'll see that in the 24 chapters of the gospel of Luke and also in the 28 chapters of the book of Acts, God has chosen for Luke to almost never refer to himself. You'll almost never know that Luke is present as you read the book of Acts, especially. He instead lets the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the focus of his writing, to dominate all of his words completely. And in doing that, God has presented Luke as being a very humble man. And as we're told in these words, Luke has given a thorough and complete account of the gospel, absolutely accurate and absolutely inerrant. But also, in studying all of this about Luke, may I address a point that I believe is sometimes a confusion to many of us. A confusion about the exact role that Luke and all the other writers of these scriptures fulfill as they pen these words that we now read here in the Bible. Here in these beginning words of the book of Luke, it would almost seem as if Luke was about to present historical information about Jesus that he had gathered from all of his research. And it was, and he did. But the information 
did not come solely from his detailed research. And I do fear that many are confused about that because these words did not come solely through Luke's intellectual pursuits, but they came also through the intimate assistance of God's Holy Spirit. Listen again to these words. Verse 1, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know with a certainty these things in which you were instructed. Luke begins by describing a process that many historians use even today as they attempt to research and to sit down in writing accounts of specific historical events. And taking these words at face value alone, we might think, and I believe many people do, we might think, we might assume that all the things that he is going to write in these next 24 chapters are facts that he, Luke, learned simply through his research, through interviews with all of the people that were involved during the days of Christ. But that's not so. That's not so. And it will become immediately obvious as we read through this gospel. Apparently, there had been many accounts circulating about the person and life of Jesus. He refers to that in these words. Some of those things that were being reported were probably reasonably accurate. But also, no doubt, many of those were wrong and they were inaccurate. And God, having the desire for us, for you and me, for all the people that have read this book, to know the real truth, he appointed Luke to the task of putting down in writing a perfect understanding of the account of Jesus. Why would God present this in the way he has, Luke going out as a historian and collecting data, information, to write down? It's because you and I identify with that sort of thing. And we seem to put more credibility in something that we might think someone has thoroughly researched. And it was important. So it's important for mindsets like ours who need that sort of convincing. But that's not exactly what took place here. It did take place, but it had something else involved. But first, let's ask, why Luke? Why did God use Luke over and above some other writer? There's no mention in the Gospels of Luke being involved in the days of Jesus. He was not an eyewitness to the ministry of Jesus. He came along later. He was not one of the twelve disciples. He was not even mentioned as one of the disciples that would follow along with Jesus because there were many that followed along with Jesus, hundreds and hundreds, sometimes thousands of people. He's not mentioned as being any of those. So then why would God choose Luke to write this gospel? Well, simply put, I don't know the answer to that question. But one reason seems to be that God uses these various personalities to describe his plans and his purposes. As I said a moment ago, your mind, your personality and mine, we identify with certain ways of presentation. Just as Matthew, Mark, and John were used of God with their unique personalities, so also God was going and did use Luke's personality to tell us about the life of Jesus. And while Luke obviously was called by God to invest himself in personal research 
about the life and ministry of Jesus. As we mentioned a moment ago, those accounts that he learned were not the sole foundational basis for the words written here. God would use his own resource, his own resource, for the final product that would be put down in the words of these scriptures. God would use his blessed Holy Spirit. And we're told that. We're told that very clearly in the words of 2 Timothy 3 and in 2 Peter 1. Listen to these precious words that we've studied on several other occasions. 2 Timothy 3, beginning of verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God, the woman of God, may be complete and equipped for every good work. Every word in these scriptures is breathed out by God. And then he goes on to tell us in 2 Peter chapter 1, the words that I read to us earlier. Verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Those are very simple words, folks, that tell us a great truth about our scriptures. These blessed scriptures are the very breath of God. And praise the Lord for that. And here also in these words of Luke, the key words that express this truth for us are two words in verse 3. Perfect understanding. These two words somehow got lost in the New International Version and some of the other modern translations, but they're still very clear within the King James Version and the New King James Version. And they stand out as the actual representation of what took place within Luke's learning process. Listen to verse 3 carefully. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first. Let me read that again. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first. Luke tells us here that he had a perfect understanding of all things from the very first, long before he did his research. And also, over and above any of the testimonies and historical accounts that he might have learned from other people. And such perfect understanding can only come from the Spirit of God. Now why? Why was it necessary that the truth of this gospel come from the Spirit of God rather than from the minds of men? It's because historical facts, and listen, and you'll agree with this, it's because historical facts, no matter how technically accurate they might seem to be, are filtered through the minds and through the emotions of both the ones who give those facts and also the ones who receive those facts. In other words, the eyewitnesses that Luke would have interviewed would have had their own personal biases and would surely have given biased responses to Luke's inquiries. Emotion and personal bias will always, will always invade and alter the truth of facts. That's so very obvious in today's culture. As we see history being rewritten and rewritten over and over again by biased historians. Desiring to present their own point of view in matters. Matters that they knew nothing about. Matters that took place in the past but they wanted to express them in a different way according to their own bias. Now, simply put, no human mind is able to perfectly separate out truth 
from his or her own emotions and biases. And no human mind is able to separate out the sacred from the secular. And no human mind is able to perfectly comprehend the mind of God so as to perfectly convey all of the plans and the purposes that God has for mankind. And we see that best illustrated for us in these Gospels as we view the scribes and the Pharisees. They were very diligent theologians. They desired to preserve and to present the truth of God. But you'll notice that they went completely astray because they had their own biases. And Jesus told them that they were astray in what they understood. He would say, you have heard it said, but I say to you, they were controlled by their own biases. And that's so with our modern day kinds of scribes and Pharisees. That's why you and I must be very careful of the many books that we read and all the philosophies that we decide to follow. There are many, many today who would rewrite these Gospels to include liberal themes or financial themes or especially deliverance themes and other such matters as those. And by doing so, they lead, and they do, lead their followers astray. Folks, this Word is the truth of God and of God alone. And for this truth to give you and me the perfect understanding that Luke spoke about, it must come out of the mind of God through the Spirit of God. And it did exactly that. It did exactly that with this man Luke. God interwove His Holy Spirit into Luke's heart and mind and hands so that as Luke penned these words, they remained ever and always the perfect, infallible Word of God. That's why Luke can say here in these words that he has a perfect understanding of all that took place in the life of Jesus. And that's why you and I can accept with full assurance that these words that we're going to be studying over these next many weeks, that they really are the perfect truth of God. Listen to how God words it. He declares it to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where we read beginning in verse 9, As it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Listen to these words carefully. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, listen, even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that, listen, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. He could not say it any more plainly for us. These words written within this book of Luke are the perfect words within the mind of the Father. And the Holy Spirit has revealed them to us. Him knowing the mind of the Father, the Holy Spirit, spoke these perfect words into the mind of Luke. And not only that, the Holy Spirit remained within those words as Luke wrote them down on the pages of Scripture. And not only that, the Holy Spirit continues to live within those words as you and I take them into our hearts and our minds. Isn't that wonderful? Now, considering again why God would choose to filter His words of truth through the mind of men like Luke, another thought comes to my mind is that God has chosen for men to be the means by which His grace 
is ministered to the rest of his creation. In this particular instance, Luke is the means by which God has ministered the grace of his truth onto these many generations that have come and gone since the days that Christ was on the earth. Yes, God could have simply descended out of heaven, handed us a book already written, but he didn't do that. And we can see why he didn't, simply because we're here in church today. He wants us to be the means by which his grace is ministered to other people. And that's why he says to us, go ye into all the world, preach this gospel, make disciples. Luke was the means that God decided to use. And he'll use you and me as the means of spreading that gospel on forward. Also, another reason why God might use men with varying personality types to give forth his truth could be because of what I mentioned a moment ago. He knows that as we read this, each of us has personal identity with different writers of the scripture. And we'll identify with one writer a little bit more closely than we do another writer of scripture. I know that's so with myself. And so he chose these different personalities. John was known for being very loving. Matthew was known as being a very strict Hebrew, fully attending to their way of thinking. And on and on. He uses men to minister to men. So as these words tell us, God gave Luke a special unction within his heart, within his mind, to go forward and to write this book of Luke in the way and in the manner that men do this sort of thing, researching and collecting information that would eventually be contained then in this book. But also, listen, at the same time, in a mysterious way that we will probably never be able to comprehend, the Holy Spirit guided every step that Luke took, guiding every thought, every idea, and every conclusion, and carefully, listen, and carefully omitting Luke's personal thoughts and opinions that were not sacred truth. Isn't that a wonderful thought? As Luke was writing these words of this precious gospel, God took out of his mind those personal thoughts and personal opinions that he might have written there, carefully removing them so that you and I would have what he calls here the perfect truth. Praise be to God for that. So then, Luke, like all the other writers of Scripture, was a chosen instrument in the hands of God, a conduit through which words of truth could flow out of the heart of God and onto the pages of our Scripture. Now, as for this man who is mentioned in verse 4, Theophilus, no one has been able to determine exactly who he was, so we don't know who he was. But perhaps his mention here is simply to serve as a representative of you and me as we receive these precious words. And as we're told here, so that we can know and trust the certainty of these things that God is teaching us through His servant Luke. Now with all that being said, over the next many weeks as we examine these words further in this Gospel of Luke, And as we see Luke's personality being revealed to us in the manner and in the expression of his words, let's always remember, always remember that the content of the words, the content of the words, not just the manner in which they're presented, but especially 
the content of the words is always the perfect truth of God. What a blessed comfort it is to know that we can just open our Bible to any portion of Scripture and rest in the assurance that none of it is left to any man's ideas or interpretations, not even my own or your own. These are the pure, unsullied, infallible truths of God, and no man can alter them. Listen to these words as we close. Knowing this first, that no prophecy, no scripture, is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but by holy men of God, as they were moved along by the Holy Spirit. God spoke through holy men as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray.